everyone. It's nice to see you again and to be with you. We're going to be looking at Matthew 25, verses 34 to 46. That's our Bible reading, Matthew 25, verses 34 to 46. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. A small handicapped boy was hurrying to catch a, a commuter train. He was, had a crutch in one, and he had all these bundles and parcels uh, that he was trying to hold on to. And as people rushed by, he found it very difficult to negotiate his way to the train and uh, a man accidentally bumped into him, and his parcels went in every direction, and the man stopped and looked at him and shouted at him for being in his way, and then went on. Another man watched what had happened, and he went over and helped pick up the parcels for the wee boy, and uh, as he was picking them up, he slipped some money into the boy's pocket and said, "'I'm sorry, son,' I hope this makes up for your trouble. With a smile, the man went on his way. The wee boy shouted out after him, Mr. Please, sir, are you Jesus? No, the man replied, but I'm one of his followers. There's a great need for the spirit of kindness in life today. So often we are self-absorbed and we're only interested in our own situation, and we don't take 
the time to recognize the situations facing others and to be kind to them. The humanist philosophy of life points to kindness as one of the essential ingredients for a happy and fulfilled life. So many gods, so many creeds, so many paths that wind and wind when all this sad world needs is just the art of being kind. Well, kindness isn't all this world needs, but it does need much more kindness. And we can tap into that reservoir of kindness that is there inside each one of us, because the humanists also say that kindness is part of our nature as human beings, and they're right, it is. I believe man was created in the image of God, and even although man has fallen from his situation of grace and has fallen into sin, there is enough left of the imprint of the Creator in the lives of we who are His creation that often aspects of God's nature are reflected in our lives. And that's why kindness so often is to be seen in our lives. But we are, as human beings, a confusion of contradictions. Sometimes human kindness is dissipated by other emotions in the human personality and temperament. And what chances there for kindness to be expressed when, as Paul says, the desires of our sinful nature have such a stronghold over us. Galatians 5, 19 to 21, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. In the face of that catalog, what chance has kindness got? Amazingly, despite the darkness of our human nature, human kindness can break through in the most unexpected ways. But it doesn't break through often enough, nor does it break through with sufficient power to have a lasting effect in life. We can see wonderful expressions of human kindness, but they are overshadowed by horrendous evidence of the darkness of the human spirit, the sin and the selfishness that there is in our world. That's why we need to look beyond ourselves to discover the kindness that can transform people and life. And God provides this by the Holy Spirit, who lives in the life of every Christian. And Galatians 5.22 reminds us, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. The kindness produced by the Spirit is more than natural, it's supernatural. It reflects God's own nature. Psalm 18 verse 50 says that God shows unfailing kindness. He says in Isaiah 54 and verse 8, with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you. 
God can never cease being kind, because kindness is His nature. And He says in Jeremiah 9.24, I am the Lord who exercises kindness. Hosea 11 and 4, God says, I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. Now, the dictionary defines kindness from a human perspective as a kindly disposition, warm goodwill towards others. But in its spiritual context, kindness reflects the compassion and the benevolence of God to man. In the King James Version, we often come across the word loving kindness as a description of God. And there's something missing, it seems to me, uh, from the richness of the Hebrew word when different translations, the NIV translates it love, or the New Living Translation translates it unfailing love. I just think that term, loving kindness, is just beautiful. Psalm 63 in verse 3, because thy loving kindness is better than life my lips shall praise thee. Like the little boy who explained the difference between kindness and loving kindness. Kindness, he said, is when mum gives you a slice of bread and butter. Loving kindness is when you put jam on it as well. <laughs> the difference. Loving kindness goes that step beyond, as it were goes beyond doing just what is necessary to shower upon us that which we don't deserve, but which He wants to enrich our lives with. And Jesus, of course, is the greatest expression of God's loving kindness to you and to me. In Ephesians 2, 4-7, Paul says, God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For He raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So, God can point to us in all future generations as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all He has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. The incredible wealth of His grace and kindness that He has lavished upon us. In Jesus, kindness has been given a human face. Sinful man unkindly writes off all those who are of little use or value, who are in some way deficient. That's the philosophy that aborts the unwanted fetus or abandons the unwanted child that is not of the right gender. But the divine kindness in the heart of God takes quite the opposite approach. 
It's expressed so beautifully in Isaiah 42, verse 3, when the prophet says about the Messiah who is to come, He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. The life Jesus lived on earth not only illustrates kindness, it inspires kindness. And Paul says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Be kind to each other. Sadly, many people today see kindness as an expression of weak sentimentality, a niceness that lacks conviction and backbone. <laughs> no, no, you've got to stand up for yourself. No, you've got to fight for yourself. Stand up for your rights. Kindness dissipated uh, underneath that kind of attitude. Selwyn Hughes says this. There we go. The word kindness has come to wear thin in the currency of the world and in some parts of the church. So there is a great need to see it minted afresh and gleaming bright in the commerce of modern-day Christian life and experience. We really need to see kindness reflected powerfully and persuasively in the life of of the Christian today. And that happens when we allow the Holy Spirit to have His way in our lives and to produce that fruit within us. So, kindness, first of all, reaches out gently to the weak. Jesus, giving kindness a face. You want to know how, how kindness is expressed? Look into the life of Jesus, and you see there, kindness reaches out gently to the weak. Now, Jesus shows us kindness is not to be confused with weakness. It takes real strength of character to be kind, but it can be equated with gentleness. The word in the Greek for kindness is krestotes. It not only is translated with the word kindness, but in some places is also translated by the word gentleness. And we saw in Isaiah 42, Jesus Himself being uh, described as someone who wouldn't crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. The gentle Savior who expresses kindness in the way He ministers to others, and particularly in the way He ministers to those who are feeling crushed by life and finding the way difficult. Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Jesus, drawing from His days as a carpenter, finding the perfect illustration to teach people how He can help those who are weak and weary, how His loving kindness and tender mercy is expressed. Now, farmers were always on the lookout for the perfectly fitting yoke that would not irritate or chafe the ox as it did its work. And a perfectly fitting yoke 
was said to be easy. Easy. In other words, it was kind and gentle as it exercised its control of the ox. When we submit our lives to the spiritual yoke of Jesus, when we allow Him to be our master to guide and direct us in life, then His yoke is easy. It's a kind of control that is gentle and doesn't irritate and it doesn't chafe. And if that's how Jesus deals with you and me, giving us an easy yoke, gentle, doesn't irritate, doesn't chafe, then that's how we ought to deal with one another, especially when others are weak and weary and vulnerable and hurting. Kindness. That was why Jesus was so very forthright in condemning the Pharisees. They weren't gentle with the weak. In Luke 11 and 46, Jesus said to them, you crush people with impossible religious demands, and you never lift a finger to ease the burden. They were not kind. The fruit of kindness, though, reaches out gently to the weak, and we see that in Jesus. But also what we see in Jesus is that kindness reaches out lovingly to the fallen. As we say, the Pharisees showed precious little kindness towards those who had fallen. The woman caught in the act of adultery was thrown at Jesus' feet, literally thrown in front of Him, and her situation was callously exploited as a means of ensnaring the Savior. No kindness in the way she was dealt with by the Pharisees. As far as they were concerned, she was expendable, she deserved what was coming to her. That was their attitude. But from the Lord Jesus, she received kindness. And His response to the Pharisees' trap was to change the focus of attention. Instead of the woman being on trial by some nifty word work, footwork of, with His words, Jesus shifted the attention away from the woman and onto the Pharisees, and suddenly they were the ones that were on trial. John 8, verse 7, let the one who has sinned, who has never sinned, throw the first stone. And after the crowd melted away, Jesus was so kind to that woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said neither do I. Go and sin no more. Kindness in Jesus, reaching out lovingly to one who had fallen. And He always reaches out to those who have fallen with the same loving kindness as He did to that woman. Now, there's an important lesson here for all of us who take our faith and who take the Bible seriously, and it's this, we must never forget that 
when we hold our convictions and hold them strongly, we must also hold them with kindness and express them in a kind and gentle way. Billy Graham quoted Charles Allen in one of his books who said this, in one's disdain of sin, one can be harsh and unkind towards a sinner. Some people seem to have such a passion for righteousness that they have no room left for compassion for those who failed. God is always kind towards us despite all our sinful failures. Psalm 103, verse 10, He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. So, you and I, having been on the receiving end of the kindness of God because we are all fallen, every one of us fallen, having received His kindness, we need to show and express that kindness to others. Kindness reaches out gently to the weak. It reaches out lovingly to the fallen. It reaches out compassionately to the needy. Luke 16, the parable Jesus told of the rich man living sumptuously and selfishly, and Lazarus, the poor beggar who lay in great need at his gate. Every day, the rich man ignored Lazarus. Perhaps the destiny of the rich man would have been different if he had shown kindness and compassion to Lazarus, but he showed complete indifference towards him. And Jesus showed how he was condemned because of that, his failure to reach out compassionately and kindly to those who are in need. The passage that we read together today, also from Matthew chapter 25, for I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. I was a stranger. You invited me into your home. I was naked. You gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison. You visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty, give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked, give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. I don't think any of us can imagine Jesus ever ignoring someone who was in need. If He had, I don't think He could have spoken in these terms. When William McKinley was appointed President of the United States, he had to appoint as his ambassador to a foreign country one of two equally qualified men. On paper, nothing to choose between them but he rejected one of them for this reason. A few years before, he had been on a tram, and the tram was full. There wasn't a seat to be had, 
and an elderly woman with a big bundle of washing came onto the tram, and no one stood up to offer her a seat. And he saw this man, who was in the running to become one of the ambassadors to one of the important countries of the world, sitting there reading his newspaper, and he saw that the man saw the woman struggling with her and put his newspaper up like that to pretend he hadn't seen her. And for that reason, that man forfeited reaching the pinnacle of his career because the president saw that he had no compassion and showed no kindness to this old woman struggling with her washing. You may think, it's a simple thing, but it just reminds you that when we fail to reach out with compassion to someone in need, we fail to do something good and kind for Jesus. Because in, in not doing that kind act for that person, we're not doing it for Jesus. And does Jesus see? Aye, not a thing escapes his eagle eye. He sees and knows. Kindness reaches out gently to the weak. It reaches out compassionately to the needy. It reaches out lovingly to the fallen. And finally, kindness reaches out practically to the injured. Think of the story of the Good Samaritan. Think about the teacher of the law hearing that story and being left feeling uncomfortable, just as we sometimes feel uncomfortable hearing that story. The spiritual people, the priest, the Levite, passing by on the other side, fearful for their own safety, not caring about the needs of another, not willing to pay the cost of helping the victim lying on the road. Then the Samaritan comes, the one who doesn't fit the spiritual profile well enough, but he's the one who stops, and he's the one who helps. James 2.15 says, supposing you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? So, you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. Kindness finds ways to meet needs, to help those who are injured and struggling, regardless of personal cost. In fact, you might say kindness reaches out benevolently to everyone, never tires of seeking what is the best for others, doesn't stop to keep an account because it doesn't expect anything in return, it doesn't choose only those who most deserve its benefits, it reaches out to everyone regardless, and never ceases to be kind even when it receives evil in return. Kindness 
is the oil that takes the friction out of life. It restores the, flake, the flickering flame of hope. It increases our store of joy. It reflects the very nature of God Himself. That's how God is. And my dear brothers and sisters, that's how He expects you and me to be. That's what He expects of us. Since God chose you, Colossians 3.12, to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I wonder if you've heard this song. I think it's a country song. Let me be a little kinder. Let me be a little blinder to the faults of those about me. Let me praise a little more. Let me be, when I'm weary, just a little bit more cheery. Let me serve a little better those that I am striving for. Let me be a little braver when temptation bids me waver. Let me strive a little harder to be all that I should be. Let me be a little meeker with the brother that is weaker. Let me think more of my neighbor and a little less of me. Kindness. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life kindness, the very nature of God Himself. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, help us to be kind in all that we do, and in all that we think, and in all that we say. Help us to reflect that loving kindness that You have lavished upon us, pouring out upon us in Jesus Christ by His Spirit. And help us to be like Jesus, and so to be kind. We pray in His name. Amen.